Welcome, everyone, to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I think we are cursed to bring darkness onto everything that we touch. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 210, the season two finale, A Duel of Iron, is sponsored by Monday Morning Morphine. It was all I hoped it would be. Pete, here we are at the end of the season. Still have one podcast episode to go for Iron Fist as we look back on season two as a whole. That'll be in a couple days. We, of course, on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we're heating up to do Godfriended Me, to do some Star Trek Discovery short treks, to do the New York Comic Con in, oh my goodness, a week's time, and uh, just amazing, amazing stuff going on uh, across our podcasts. My favorite time of year and would not uh, miss it for the world. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Danny begins with a voiceover as Davos cares for young Danny in Kun Lun. Danny makes Davos a paper airplane, which probably crashes and brings a theory later on. Davos helps the new Iron Fist, Danny, home. Back in the present, we learn that the heart of the dragon will kill Colleen and Davos if they do not complete the transfer. Davos uses his fist to level the apartment and runs. Short on time, Danny and Colleen have to chase him down together. Locked in the dark room at Eden Towers, Misty uses her bionic arm to start to break out. Walker drags Chen Wu's body away and sets up a perch to use her sniper rifle. On the way to the hospital, a doped up Joy admits her wrongdoing to Ward. He tells her he's going to be a father. Davos returns to Eden Towers only to dodge Walker's bullets. Danny and Colleen aren't far behind, clear in the understanding that if Davos is killed before the transfer is complete, Colleen will die as well. Davos uses his fist to fire a cinder block at Walker's location and force her to take up a mobile position. Danny and Colleen interrupt her when Davos attacks Colleen. Danny keeps Walker busy. Misty breaks out and joins Danny, using her arm as a shield. Danny uses Colleen's sword to open up a water pipe, and Misty uses the strobe light on her phone to swap Walker for Mary. But Misty's arm is done. Danny joins Colleen's fight against Davos. Colleen is able to complete the transfer. The next morning, Misty explains she dropped Mary with the EMTs. She offers Danny an opportunity to talk with the apprehended Davos before she books him. Davos wonders how Danny is still able to approach him with compassion. Danny, however, has learned to wear his mistakes. And Davos tells him he still doesn't know who he is or what he stands for and that it will be his undoing. 
Colleen and Misty talk about new arms and the heart of the dragon. Misty doesn't think she is going to take the captain job. After all, Knight and Wing has a little bit of a ring to it. They resolve to hang out soon, maybe sooner, especially since Misty didn't like what she saw the last time she was around Luke Cage. And Colleen has one of the few weapons that might, might make a dent in him. Danny thanks Misty for her help before he and Colleen have what feels like a last talk about their nice little life and its consequences. They've been through so much and will always be bonded. Danny heads back to their apartment while Colleen goes to the Baird Center. Danny starts straightening up the apartment and finds something on the back of the crest from Colleen's heirloom box. Colleen returns Sam's car keys at Baird. She also speaks to Mrs. Yang, who tells her the war is over. But Colleen demands change. Mrs. Yang tells her it can't happen overnight. So Colleen will be watching, and Mrs. Yang will tolerate no interference. As a Narcotics Anonymous meeting wraps up, Ward knocks on the door and asks to share. He stumbles at first, but ultimately comes to that he has no one and doesn't even know himself. Afterward, he tells Bethany how he overheard her announcement of her pregnancy and that he wants to be there. But she cannot allow that, not until Ward knows who he is. She will soon have another person to take care of and can't add a third. Walker breaks into Joyce and catches her up about Davos no longer being a concern. But Joy has a gun on Walker, who tells her Mary Walker's fingerprints were on the knives in Sokovia, meaning there's another altar, which could be triggered by a gun pointed at her heart. Walker intends to leave her payment with Joy and draw it out. She could use her connection and her reach. Colleen arrives home to a letter from Danny detailing his discovery of the Iron Fist symbol on the medallion was confirmation of what he heard about the story of the first woman to defeat the dragon from Davos when he was in Kunlun. Her name was Wu Ah Shi, the pirate queen of Pinghai Bay, who may be Colleen's ancestor. Ward stands in front of a private plane when Danny arrives, not intending on letting it leave for Asia, where Danny wants to track down answers from whoever supplied the body of a former Iron Fist. Danny convinces Ward to come along. Months later, bank robbers are stopped by Colleen, who lights up her fist as well as her katana. In Hokkaido, Japan, Ward orders another water in a sake bar at 4 a.m. He wants to know about Hancock 212 and the corpse sent by a man named Orson Randall. Ward's been from Hong Kong to Kuala Lumpur to Jakarta, where a shipment was stolen. The goon's employer wants his property back in two guns that a very different Danny wields and shoots glowing bullets from, which converge 
and eliminate the bullet fired at him. Sparring partners, let's take a look at who Danny faced off against in this episode. Pete, for one last time, we start with Davos. He here, savage in his attacks. Uh, some good effects there, some good, uh, some good uh, stunt work there, punching the cinder block across the room towards Mary. But in the end, uh, Davos, he gets knocked out. He gets the powers taken from him. He is down for the count. And I dare say, maybe aside from a little you know, uh, guest spot here, guest spot there, we've seen the last of Davos in Iron Fist. I'm not so sure. What I really appreciated was his incredulity that Danny continues to try to help him after all that he's done to him. Um, I, I thought that was a really earned and earnest conversation. Pete, it's a poor villain that can bash the hero publicly, bash the hero repeatedly, and then say, why don't you help me? I don't know where they get some of the stuff from, Pete. It's just so wild and crazy out there. But as I said, I'm going to stand by it. I don't think we have Davos on the villains list anymore for any future seasons of Iron Fist, of Defenders, of Iron Fist showing up in a very special Jessica Jones, whatever it might be. <laughs> Adios, Davos. Well, let's talk Walker then, Matt, who I think we can both be certain we have not seen the last of. No, it's definitely written for the character of Mary Walker to return, to see more Mary, to see Walker, and then to see this third personality. On the one hand, I'm glad that they're setting up future seasons. I think also, I don't know, I have the wind taken out of my sails a little bit just because, A, I think that could have been a fun addition for this season to really ramp up that. Not that the season was particularly lacking and with, you know, with uh, three episodes less, uh, who knows? Maybe maybe this is exactly where the more where the Mary Walker story was going to end in a thirteen episode season. Maybe it would have ended at this point, at, you know, at episode ten, and then then and then whatever. Then then she comes full force, whatever it might be. Then the third personality comes out. But as I said, I did feel that it was slightly telegraphed a bit too much, and it's it's rare. It's a rare thing for the audience to be ahead of characters and it for it to be something that that really clicks. Yeah. And I think they've really laid the groundwork, obviously, for whatever transformation they're they're looking to, uh, you know, have the character go through. We've never said Bloody Mary um, on the screen there. We've never even said typhoid. Um, but that's clearly the, the character they're going for. I think what's interesting is that this was a character who initially appeared um, in the Daredevil comic, and they retconned that here into Iron Fist. One has to wonder, Matt, are we going to see her in Daredevil Season 3 that we have a date for now, Friday, October 19th? I would certainly welcome it, and I would, I would prefer that versus, hey, we've developed something for use in Iron Fist later, particularly since... I think it's clear that an Iron Fist season three, if it occurs, is going to be a, a very different flavored uh, creature than we've had for the first two seasons. Uh, so I would welcome that. That would be a nice surprise at New York Comic Con if they say, you know, and you, you Pete, I could just see it now. Here's the Jeff Loeb moment. They, <laughs> he shows the sizzle reel for season three. Then he goes, 
hold on, you guys might not have noticed one thing. Play it again, Larry. And he played again. What? Who was that in the shadows? What with her machine gun? Let's call, let, let's bring her out now, everybody. Alice Eve playing Bloody Mary. And everyone will go nuts, just like Jeff uh, planned. Uh, I, I so hope that happens. Um, particularly, you know, we had another, uh, we had another teaser drop today for season three of, of daredevil. I've seen the first six, uh, episodes, the screeners, and it's really, really good. Well, Pete, on this season of iron fist, we have to mention one more bad guy that is of course the, uh, the local Japanese gangster who is, uh, who is kind of an entry point for, for future story stuff involving Orson Randall. Yeah, as a setup, and it's amazing to think of how much of this episode wraps up and sets up. Um, and we'll talk about that in our next segment. But uh, here's a guy, he's had something stolen from his boss, he's trying to get it back. And, you know, he's used more as a cautionary tale don't shoot at Danny Rand now, because Danny Rand can now use. Uh, glowing magic guns to shoot your bullets out of the air. It certainly was remarkable that that they they wrapped up the season two conflict around the twenty minute mark, twenty five minute mark, and then really gave the story an opportunity to be uh, to be devoid, with the exception of this gangster, to be devoid of villains to wrap up character stuff, yeah. and then to to just take that not as a quick quick teaser although this was a short enough scene but to just say quick injection of a new bad guy and a new storyline and really end on a high note for me it was very reminiscent of some of the season finales of true blood where they wrapped up the season-long villain a quarter to less than a third of the way through the episode and then it was denouement. It was, you know, tying up of loose ends and then setting up what came next to, to lead you with a real stinger. And Danny firing, uh, you know, magic bullets certainly opens things up. Well, Pete, behind every magic bullet, there is the iron fist keeping things steady. And of course, this entire season, our magic bullet of a podcast has been made possible by all the iron fists out there who have visited patreon.com slash fantastic geek, keeping this bad boy afloat in, uh, in, in Davos storm and Mary hail fire of bullets, etc. Whether you want to have the one light up fist plan, whether you're going to go for the double, okay, or maybe you want anything that you uh, should grab to light up and be used as a weapon in your assistance of Fantastic Geek, there is every level imaginable and perks that go along with that. And then everybody who contributes gets. Uh, exclusive podcast content. So thank you again, and we hope whatever you light up, you use responsibly. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode. Pete, we were taken to task about our comments regarding Bethany a few episodes ago. We've also wagged our finger at Ward and his ability to 
kind of uh, really establish a stable existence in these months between the end of season two proper and months later has ward settled down i don't you know i guess just math wise pete if in our in our you know with our male brains if i may nonetheless do the math and say probably the baby has not yet arrived um we don't is, know it, that. is is ward this expectant father is he settled down with bethany is there a, is there a future for him i think he's been abroad this entire time uh with danny i i got worried when he said another water that that was sarcasm that you know it's it's the old Meg Griffin, oh, water, that's what I call Coors Light. Um, but he was actually drinking water, so we can make the pretty safe assumption he's not fallen off the wagon. Um, so I, I think he's he's finding out who he is apart from the identity of being, you know, uh, Rand Enterprises all the time and, uh, you know, nothing else behind that. So to go on these adventures with Danny, which I was really, really hoping he would do when he got in the airplane, um, I think is pun intended, Matt, such a pregnant story choice. Another question for you, Pete, and I'll preface this by saying story first, internal story first is always the way to go. But where has this season with its months later where has that taken place in relation to infinity war apparently no one is has been dustified uh certainly you know uh, not again we don't know that they're drinking in hokkaido japan at 4 a.m matt why okay and has this happened i'm i'm not so sure it hasn't um i mean listen we're going to be around uh, Marvel head of television, Jeff Loeb, uh, next week at New York Comic Con. There's going to be several panels, uh, Daredevil, Runaways. It has to be asked. It has to be talked about at some point. The further we get away from Infinity War and the closer we get to Avengers 4, uh, yet untitled, there's got to be some... Uh, address of what went on by the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV side. So I'm not confident um, that it hasn't been addressed here. They just didn't talk about it. Well, I'll just mention as a side note, our listeners uh, sounded off thusly on it. And it was not quite mailbag, but we'll, we'll let them chime in on this theory here. 42% said that the entire season was pre-snap. Uh, 15% said that this is taking place after, after Avengers 4 fixes everything. Um, <laughs> uh, and then 35% said, I don't really care. And I had said in the tweet, you know, it's okay to not care because let's just focus on these individual right. stories. Right. And, you know, there are the people who Marvel has made so much um, TV and, and film in this one connected universe Unfortunately, there are pe people who pick and choose. There are the people who, you know, only watch the movies. There are the people who uh, watch some of the shows. It, it is a lot to keep up with. Um, there's just the people who only watch the, sh the shows and, you know, are, are not down on the film side, although I would argue they get the least out of it. Um, 
it's not something that necessarily has to be addressed, but I, I think that that's on the table and these characters are in the same universe as our other characters. It's gotta be tantalizing to whichever, uh, writer's room convened or was privy to that knowledge after the fact and able to go with it. Here's mine, Matt, that I'll start with, and then I have quite a few to address here. How did Danny not have a post-traumatic stress flashback when he made a paper airplane in Kunlun to show Davos, which surely crashed? Uh, I think that what happens maybe when you switch showrunners is some of that, some of that uh, narrative sinew, which... Pete was so sinewy in the first season that it showed up in every episode. There must have been nine to 12 times that we saw the flashback. But some portion. We were on the plane and my mother said she loved me and was sucked out of the plane. And everything I did in Kunlun tried to fill that hole in my being. Uh, I know that for Danny, it is difficult uh, to watch Rex Harrison movies because that makes him think of the rain in Spain is mainly on the plane. Plane sounds like plane. Mom and dad died on a plane and he just instantly <laughs> cries. So, yeah, I think that your point is a good one. I think that if you want to throw it into the category of eh, don't you know, like they the show didn't care. Um, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about the importance of always caring about those little, little details. Uh, short term was meant to show two boys just playing as boys do, but boy games as one does in youth. Um, but yeah, to make it into a vessel through which uh, Danny's parents died and it brought him to this place and kind of severed his life uh, in half, certainly at that point. All true, all legit, and uh, wag o the finger to the writing. That scene could never have taken place in season one. Um, I like the audacity of the writers to go there and then not make it a a heavy-handed, oh my God, I've just thrown a paper airplane and my parents and I fell from the sky and I am the child touched by fire. All I know is, Pete, we are better served having a slightly tougher Danny this season. How about the front loading that goes on here? They continue to tantalize us with a Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, long-term team up. First, the idea of Misty getting a bling arm, which is a hardcore connection to the comic. She has gold on her arm in the comics. It's it's jewelry, it's bionic, it's awesome. Um, and then that uh, Knight and Wing have this ring to it that Misty's going to turn down the, the captain job and, you know, we'll, we'll finally get the Daughters of the Dragon and they can go out and kick butt all the time and not need Danny or Luke or any of them and we'll all just be so much better off for that. I mean, I, I I guess I have mixed feelings. Certainly, I would like to see all of that. The problem is just not knowing where all of this is headed. So, yeah. like, it, it's great to set up future stuff, and it's great to not be like, 
oh, they kind of interacted this season, but only when they got renewed did they inorganically get mushed together to create this thing from the comics. Like, it's nice to show the, the building uh, nature of it, but then you add to it, like, I don't know, like, it's kind of so long-term, and there's so much time in between seasons that it's a little bit difficult to get a sense of momentum. Now, fast forward to, I'll pick a, a number, 16 months from now when Iron Fist Season 3 comes out. Um, for many, many people, they'll just be able to go Season 1, Season 2, Season 3 in one sitting. So that arc will be, will be easier to see and there won't be the space in between it. That said, I kind of feel like like, where is this coming from? Is this coming from a genuine love of Daughters of the, uh, of the Dragon? I think that's part of it. It's also coming from, hey, look, Netflix overlords who are solely responsible for actually ordering more seasons. Uh, we have stuff that people will be really excited about. And look at all these people on Twitter and Facebook. And look at how they're genuinely excited about Daughters mm -hmm. of the Dragon and, and uh, diversity and representation and all of that. And that's all true. But it's like... Is it being packed into this season so they can help sell the next season? Okay, maybe. I mean, it is showbiz. But it, it, to me, the, the the mixture feels slightly off versus just this organic thing of like, oh, man, we're building towards it because we can't wait. There's no season two of Defenders buzz out there. It's not to say it, it couldn't happen. Matt, we could be in New York Comic Con next week and they make an announcement. Let me propose something else. Who says the Defenders has to be the next super team up? What if Daughters of the Dragon is the next super team up and you bring in Jessica Jones and Luke is in it too and Daredevil and all right, Iron Fist, we'll let you show up in that too. I certainly would be for that. Uh, and I guess another way to package it, it you know, could be Defenders season two with the Daughters of the Dragon uh, as a more prominent kind of kind of presence there. And again, we keep returning to this this gray area of how interested is Netflix in more of these episodes? How much how much is it playing keep away from the Disney streamer? How much is the Disney streamer maybe willing to pay to just get all this stuff back carte blanche? Like these are all exterior to the story but unfortunately you know again it comes back to showbiz show business the the people who pay for this need to get value out of it and we are not the ones paying for it we just pay a subscription um so so we don't get a vote in that regard and i find myself a little frustrated just because it's less clear versus you know as heartbreaking as it is the agents of shield isn't going to be on in the you know 2018 2019 broadcast season at least all last year you knew you need to hit these numbers for it to be this value and then now it's now this next season okay it's being put at a place where it has value and that might be value on the way out but you kind of understand the clearer path of this is why they're making 13 more and it comes out in the summer because that's its value relative to the rest of abc what's the value of daughters of the dragon iron fist season three defender season two crossover luke caged three episode arc power up in jessica jones who knows and that's what's a little that's what's frustrating because we care we want to know 
Well, I mean, here's something else to consider. They have produced to this point over 300 episodes of Marvel Cinematic Universe TV. Not all 300 of those have have aired. Uh, by the time we get to uh, Punisher and, and Runaways, uh, we're going to eclipse that number. One has to wonder if we're not past the greatest numbers in this TV universe to this point. Have, have we, have we peaked and are, are we as the, the Disney uh, play streamer starts to get fired up and there's all sorts of rumors that, well, Loki's going to get a series and uh, Scarlet Witch is going to get a series and the Galaga guy is going to get a series and and all this other stuff um are we going to hit 600 episodes in in four more years of this td or will it will it still be a thing what what's fantastic geek gonna do matt tell me get your crystal ball out uh well thank goodness there's uh star trek and this and that i'll tell you pete just as you were talking I was um, I was checking out the Defenders entry on uh, on Wikipedia, and there was some news there that I was not familiar with. I will uh, I will read from that entry now, uh, or at least summarize from it. As recently as this month, Pete, Netflix has renamed the Facebook page for the Defenders to NX, which is Netflix's new geek friendly division of genre content. And there are at least two articles that are footnoted here because Pete. You can trust Wikipedia when it has its good footnotes. <laughs> One's from comicbook.com, or actually two articles from comicbook.com, separate writers, basically saying on the one hand, that's proof that Netflix is done with Defender Season 2. The other headline that it links to, Marvel fans fears. done with Defender Season 2? Um, oh, I'm sorry, kills kills fans' hopes for Defender Season 2. Oh, all right, okay. I thought you meant done as if they've shot it. We've yeah, heard no, no, no. I, that, that was, no uh, confirmation that it, that'll happen, let alone that it's that it's been canned. Um, and then the other uh, Marvel fans furious over the Defender's rebranding and apparent cancellation. Um, so, I mean, that certainly is news to me. And I don't know. I mean, I think that is that's in line with what I what I think is a pretty seismic shift, this reduction in episode order that we saw with Iron Fist, I guess we'll see at Comic-Con, if not sooner, we'll see if that has happened to, uh, to Daredevil as well. If Daredevil is at a 10-episode order, then so is Jessica Jones, then so is going to be everybody else, regardless of whether there's more Defenders or this or that. It certainly suggests that we are past the peak um, and as we mentioned before, Pete, you know, I mean, even this 10 episode order, let's not forget last summer, there was all this stuff coming out of Netflix and Marvel alike lockstep saying, you know, uh, bad reviews for Iron Fist. It's the most binged thing ever. Mm -hmm. People love it. People have written into Netflix and said, I have given up bread and religion because I, <laughs> Iron Fist is the best thing ever. Now all I'm going to do is try and live my life like Danny Rand. Well, okay, clearly that wasn't do, the case. Wait, Danny Rand of Rand Industries? <laughs> That's the one. Um, the Iron Fist? The immortal Iron Fist? Um, That's the one and the same. So, I mean, yeah, to bring it back to it, to what you had said earlier, I do think that the most, this amount of production is behind it and then, 
or, or the peak is behind us. And then you add in if Marvel films a separate, uh, you know, a separate uh, division compared to the rest of Marvel, if they are now doing TV stuff for the Disney streamer, I mean, yikes, that's going to start to pinch out potentially uh, Marvel TV, not completely, but if you're Disney, do you care where you're, you know, do you care which side is making your Marvel show as long as the best one is made and not for nothing, which one is better uh, thought of now critically and, and certainly in terms of box office or, or ratings uh it, it's it's the movie side not the tv side all i know matt is if there is discontinuity between the police officers uniforms in previously shot seasons and moving forward i'm just going to lose my mind and not pay for netflix anymore <laughs> oh pete they'll never survive without you pete never <laughs> Luke is described as being uh, somebody that Misty doesn't want to hang around with uh, right now. Is that just based on what we saw at the end of season two uh, of Luke Cage or have he uh, has he since slipped even further? I, I can't answer it much either way. And. I, I, I regret that that's the case. And here's why I can't do it. Because I think that was just a placeholder for future story. It's like, of course she needs to talk about Luke because, you know, uh, she knows uh, she knows about her past with Luke and, uh, and Colleen knows about Luke and so on and so forth and all that. I think there's an argument to be made, Pete, that if there is going to be some sort of real culling, not, you know, story culling or not, you know, Thanos and all that, but if it's going to be reducing episode stuff or no Defender season two, or if it's going to be, you know what, Marvel Netflix is going to fade away and we're going to focus on other things and maybe we'll have smaller connections or, you know, we'll have uh, the runaways visit cloak and dagger or something like that. Maybe that time is coming too, because, I can appreciate the idea that it's difficult to it's difficult to manage the the mini series and the feeder series and the post mini series series and all that. You know, maybe it's a little too unwieldy for us to be emotionally invested in Luke Cage year round, even in when there's the the seasons that don't involve him because it's not his show. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um Orson Randall, Matt, do you know anything about Orson Randall? You know, just in preparation for this podcast, I, I looked up Orson Randall and he has a similar vibe as to what we saw with Danny at the end. Uh, before I had read anything about Orson Randall, the vibe I was getting from Danny was uh, like that of the shadow, you know, traveling in the Far East and uh, he's gun toting, you know kind of uh, detective kind of kick butt kind of justice um bring on orson randall if that means more of what we saw as the final scene of this season well he's he's a hero in the marvel comics which is going to be interesting given that uh danny has apparently stolen these guns from him which he uses uh to fire up his chi and then, uh, you know, throw copper, as the kids used to say. Um, so it's going to be interesting. You know, this is a guy who was active in the world wars 
and uh you know do they keep it comics and you know have an older gentleman play him and then you put the mask on him and he's you know through the the magic of of stunt people uh able to be more active or do you uh you know just have him played by a younger guy and uh you know oh he never aged because he's an iron fist i think they would be better served to have that buddy type for danny now you know do do you go for somebody who is exactly finn jones uh age yeah finn jones of course being uh 30 now uh, a wee baron at 30 no you want to get a guy who's you know 40 45 but still handsome fella jacked that kind of thing um he could be that big brother that ward is not exactly that could there's tons of great story potential there for like now ward is the littlest brother maybe not by age but he's he's not as mature as Orson Randall and he's not as powerful as uh, as Danny Rand and he you know th- there's fun stuff that could be done there Pete let's hope Netflix makes that happen while Danny has been able to acquire these pistols and use his chi to shoot glowy laser bullets uh, Colleen as far as screen con- uh, chronology that we see has learned first on her own, how to power up her fists and make her katana glow. Um, Two-part question. What's up with this new phenomenon? And two, can Ward learn how to do this and make an iron glow? (laughs) Be the iron family. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's comics precedence for this, but I'll tell you this as a TV viewer. The problems from Iron Fist Season 1 were obvious and have been discussed ad infinitum, particularly on this podcast. Um, This is a way to grow the property forward on TV. The fact that we've gone from one really neat fist that can be used to sometimes punch things as long as it's not people because then they would explode everywhere and Danny Rand would be this horrible... uh, monster wait a minute what if somebody else was the horrible monster that's season two now that it's like your gadgets can be powered up you know it can be the slicey sword that cuts through a car that would be fun to see the neato bullets that blast through concrete you know whatever it is i feel like there's more kind of comic booky stuff here as opposed to a guy who's really well trained at martial arts like any really well trained person would be and then his fist can hit really, really, really unusually hard. Now it's like magic powers everywhere. And bring on that show. Why wasn't that show part of this season? Here's my tag scene for the end of season three, Matt. Ward enters Bethany's apartment. She's she's harried. She's uh, She's got a pile of laundry. The baby's crying, needs to be fed, okay? Her shift starts in a little bit. Ward enters, lights up his fist, picks up the iron, and goes to town, becomes domesticated. Ward meets him and saves the day. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kunlun. 
Pete, we finally get to wrap up the email from 084, uh, who says, last merciful bullet point, spoiler alert, Pete, it's not, that ending. When Danny teased Colleen getting the fist at the end of episode eight, I was meta mad because I didn't think the events of the last two episodes would actually play out exactly how I wanted them to, but they did. Iron Wing is something I would have deemed too way, uh, way too good to be true way back when. But getting that final shot uh, of her in full vigilante mode with the katana glowing right along with her fist, I have to be honest, that's the closest thing I've ever come to squeeing. Then we get the utterly <laughs> ridiculous scene in Japan that I didn't know I needed in my life. <laughs> Orson Randall name dropped. Danny and Ward as partners in crime. Ward sober. And Gung Fu. Gung Fu, sorry. Uh, that was so unexpected. Can we call it Gung Fu? I like we, Gung Fu better. We certainly could. <laughs> Apparently Colleen's iron-fisted ancestor is indeed a character from the comics who uh, could channel her chi into arrows and guide them through the air. And Orson Randall harnesses the power, that power in those guns. Putting that to the show is so far-fetched and outlandish that it works. And it makes me excited for season three in a way I never thought I could be. Well, then Pete. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go right ahead. I was just going to say, I, I just hope a third season comes to pass because nothing's been renewed. Nothing's been announced to this point. And it's the old, uh, you know, writing checks that uh, your studio may not cash. Time will tell. I mean, to be fair, rare is it that Netflix announces a renewal for anything in the right. first week, the first month, but certainly in the first couple months. Uh, anyhow, 084 says, I lied one more bullet point. Back to the last thing I said, this season did something unprecedented. It made me excited for its own next season, something unfathomable. But it also has me excited for what it could mean for the other shows. In Luke Cage season three, uh, we could be seeing Misty with an upgraded arm. She mentioned Blink. We finally see some gold yeah. like in the comics. Yeah. Maybe Repulsor Energy Beam. Yes, please. Side note, Pete, I vote for like Inspector Gadget arm, you know. Oh, absolutely. I want it to come out of her hair, you know, out of there like that, like Inspector Gadget, maybe like the 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 helicopter blades, too, that, yes. that she can control. Let, let's let's fully embrace this. Uh, she also mentioned maybe recruiting Colleen to try and knock some sense into Luke, which would be a fun scene to watch. We have a villain almost perfectly tailored for Jessica Jones season three in Walker and Mary's third altar. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hell, if she's powered enough, maybe she could be a big threat if Defenders ever gets a season two. Not a lot of seeds planted for Daredevil, except that teaser. But that's another place Typhoid Mary could show up since she's a yeah. big Daredevil nemesis anyway. All in all, this was miles above Iron Fist season one. And I think that Jessica's season two as well. Uh, I liked uh, Luke Luke's second season, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s uh, back half of season five. Uh, bottom line, Marvel TV is killing it in 2018. Um, obviously, the movie stuff as well, OH4 mentions. But uh, to be churning out this much content and all this level of quality, it's just heaven. It is. And like I said, my only concern is how, how much more do we have? have? Have we had the greatest days yet? And is it just a matter of counting down till it's done or you know will will they find uh the the wherewithal to both continue these shows and and add new ones to them would just have to wait for those answers indeed wait and see matt we have a couple of reviews that were left for us on itunes here to the uh fantastic geek pop culture podcast 
The first was left by Trek and Tech, um, and it's headlined a plethora of positively fantastic podcasts, five stars, and it reads, I found my way to the pop culture podcast after finding and enjoying the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast last season. Specifically, I enjoy the knowledge, insight, and pleasantly positive banter between the excellent hosts. The production quality on each episode is also great. This is equally true for each associated Fantastic Geek podcast. I gradually added each additional Marvel podcast before gleefully discovering the Star Trek Discovery podcast. It was then that I realized that my entertainment interests align perfectly with this network of podcasts. I switched to the main feed and am now a proud patron. Thanks to Matt and Pete for the many hours of exceptional podcasts. It's our pleasure to do it with you and Pete. The fact that we found somebody precisely attuned to our own pop culture sensibilities. That just shows the power of the internet in 2018, man. Absolutely. Another review here left by Sky and Julian. Uh, five stars headlined two articulate and interesting hosts. And it reads, the Fantastic Geek podcasts are the perfect after viewing treat to listen to uh, after watching any Marvel TV show. The recaps help to jog your memory of things you might have missed and are well-written. I've learned a lot from Matt and Pete, hearing them talk about how shows are constructed and written from Chekhov's gun, showing and not telling, and decisions made in shooting. This has heightened my awareness and appreciation of the shows and has made me a more critical and discerning viewer when consuming television. Mostly, these guys are like the buddies you wish you could have around to share ideas with after watching a particularly satisfying episode because no one else in your household is into the same shows you are. Thanks, guys. Hey, that's, that's what we try to do. We try to be there for you even though you're not here with us. We're all one big happy geek family, and uh, thank you for the kind words. Much love. It's all about that water cooler effect. Pete, how can people hop on the old water cooler discussion with you on, I don't know, the social medias? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. -E 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 and Matt, it's been a journey back, but 10,001 followers can't be wrong. Time for me to unfollow. <laughs> People can be in touch with me on Twitter, where I am looking back lost. But do, do be in touch with the podcast. Visit FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Pete, we will be back on Sunday to wrap up Season 2 of Iron Fist. That's the same day Godfriended Me uh, hits the airwaves, at least in these United States. And uh, then we're, of course, off to the races with New York Comic Con, Daredevil, etc. in the month of October. But with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners for this episode and give you the final word. Nothing ends without a new beginning. <laughs>